So it's like our WhatsApp and Messenger, but it's also Instagram. You can buy tickets for the movie, you can, it's Apple Pay, you can make an appointment to your doctor, you can pretty much do everything in that app. And from a, like, a user point of view, it's pretty cool because you don't have to switch, you have everything in one single place and all of that. The problem is all your data that are there and who actually can see this data and that's not really clear. Welcome to the Style is Free podcast. I'm your host, Brett Leibowitz. Today we're doing a two-part series on Marco Squared. We got Marco Burlo and Marco White. We're going to start with Marco Burlo in the room. He is from Italy, but has lived in America and China. He's going to discuss technology around the world. Welcome to the podcast, Marcos. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. I grew up in Italy. I'm half Italian, half French, so I spent some time in French, too. I was studying in Italy computer engineering, and then I spent one year in Shanghai studying computer engineering, and then right now I'm in New York City at Cornell Tech studying for my master in computer science. I was really interesting to spend some time in those different continents because it was nice to see all the differences among how people live technology and how do they learn technology, and there are huge differences, huge different point of views, how people learn, how they work especially from Europe and the US, which seems to be, you know, Western cultures, but at the same time, they have a lot of differences. I think the, the most interesting one is how people see work and see technology. Here in the US, it's like a big part of your life. It's probably the most important thing. So when you study, you study to get a good job. You study for building things for real. You want to change the world. You want to have a great impact. While in Europe, it's kind of soft, this point of view, it's still an important thing, but it's part of your life. There is much more thinking, less doing. You don't really work in your life, work is just a part of, you know, the time that you spend. And that's interesting because like, the connection of those two point of view can make, I think, a great, a great life. Bringing up the difference between work culture in America and Europe is, in America it's very common to ask, what do you do when you meet someone? I've heard in parts of Europe that it's almost rude in certain places to ask that, and it's a common question in certain parts is, what are you passionate about? Is that something you've experienced or seen? Yeah, I guess that, that explains really well. I would not say it's rude. Probably like in the northern countries of Europe, it might be. In the southern countries, probably not. It's a question you can ask, but it's definitely not the first question you will ask. What are you passionate about? Or other questions might be more, uh, I see that happening more often. And that explains it also because like job, even for students like here is a really big deal picking your job, understanding what you're passionate about, what you want to do. And also because it's going to be such a big part of your life. While there, it's not such a big deal. It's just going to be a transition. You will change your job. It's important to do something you like, but you know that you have a lot of other things in your life that are happening. What are the biggest advantages and disadvantages you see on how people look at work and technology? So if you look like a startups, if you think about the environment in the US, it's like it's, it's the best environment because people really like to work and a startup needs to be really fast. So people really need to work a lot. I mean, that's the important thing about a startup. It's a small team with people that work really fast. And you, you've seen that in the growth, you know, Silicon Valley, everything that happened. And also, I think that the US culture is really good for the fact that disruption is something that is really accepted. So, you know, Uber, Airbnb, and all of that, you don't, you don't really see that as a negative thing, at, at least when I was here. 
I haven't seen really negative feedbacks about those companies. While back in Europe, startups, I think they're not that great because people are not willing to work that much like here. And at the same time, disruption is not such a, an interesting thing because, you know, like in Italy, Uber is illegal because they don't want to disrupt the system of taxis. Uh, we use Airbnb for sure. But it's like here, if you think about disrupting our technology, it's something really nice. Well, if you go back there, we don't really like because we have, you know, long history. Destroying the past is not something we're really used to. So going back to the question, technology and startups, I think the environment here is is better from this point of view. But the real question is how much people really want to disrupt in the future. That's really interesting because here, so even things that have been around a while, like government, education are almost hard to disrupt as well because they've kind of been in this same routine for a few hundred years. But I guess in Europe, it's even a few thousand years at this point. So even crazier and harder to disrupt and change things. How do you compare the two to China and Shanghai? Well, China is is tough because it's such a different word that it's hard to judge for someone that did, you know, grew up here or spent a lot of time. But I feel it's a total different world because like, people have a complete different vision of pretty much everything. Because, you know, politics is different. You know, Europe and the US has a pretty, much, pretty similar system of politics and you know, human rights and all of that. China people come from a generation of like parents that were not even able to buy food. So right now, the fact that they're able to be employee and have a job, it's something that it's it's good for them they work a lot they definitely work a lot for really low salaries on average of course there are really rich people there and that's different but i i don't really know how the startup system could go there because it's true that they work a lot they have technology they have really smart people but i wonder the power of the government how it can influence that technology environment i mean if you think about it there are few really big companies and like tencent that owns pretty much all the data of people I don't know the relation with the government and how it will end up. Uh, here, Facebook went to the Congress for something really small compared to what could happen there. Right. And you, you bring up Tencent, which I find very interesting that China kind of has its own ecosystem of technology and startups. And I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know the Great Firewall, people talk about that they're kind of cut off from the outside world. So it looks like there's been opportunities for these sorts of companies to create their own ecosystem that is similar to Facebook or Venmo, but it's kind of all wrapped up with Tencent and WeChat and stuff like that. How do you see the differences between those different platforms in China and America and Europe? The, the cool thing is that in WeChat, which is owned by Tencent, uh, you can pretty much do everything. So it's like our WhatsApp and Messenger, but it's also Instagram. You can buy tickets for the movie. You can it's Apple Pay, you can make an appointment to your doctor, you can pretty much do everything in that app. And from a, like, a user point of view, it's pretty cool because you don't have to switch, you have everything in one single place and all of that. The problem is all your data that are there and who actually can see those data and that's not really clear. It seems that it's not a big problem from people there. Well, I don't know, probably they have a different vision of politics and personal data and personal information. They just use it or maybe they don't really know. Some of them, of course, not everybody. And that's scaring me. That scares me a lot because, you know, when you have few people that are that have the real power in a country and they also own the data of all these people. And as you say, there is the Great Firewall, which is real, 
why it's there, I don't know. This year they blocked also WhatsApp, so you're not able to use WhatsApp. When I was there two years ago, I could not use YouTube, I could not use Google. Uh, I had to use their, their system, which you can easily prove that, you know, they're, they're filtered for some information. Also, our system has some kind of filtering as well. But in some way, the vision of technology in China kind of scare me because it's a lot of people, a lot of data and really great technology that can be used in a really bad way. So, but we'll see. Do you know much about GDRP and the regulations going on in Europe right now? Yeah, I mean, I know from a theoretical point of view, what's the idea? And I mean, the idea is great because the right to be forgotten is something that we should think of because many people are are living their life in, a, in such a negative way because of permanent data that they have on internet. And we should own our data, or at least that's what the European Union is thinking about. So if you don't want to be on a system anymore, you should disappear from it. But as always, Europe is really good at thinking, but giving the ways on how to actually do it, I don't think they have that really clear. So how that's gonna happen, I don't really know. It was actually today a statement of Google on how they're working on that, but it's such a very hard mission to achieve that I don't really know how that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm in a tech media democracy class and with everything with Facebook coming on right now and GDRP that there's a lot of, oh, we need to protect people's data and that people can't sell other people's data. And there's a whole thing with e-commerce that they're on the internet, people are always grabbing your data, what you buy, how long you stay on something. So to take the current state of the world and kind of pull it back behind regulation is probably good in some ways in theory, but actually applying that and regulating it, it seems very difficult. How do you see the future communities and the way people work in Europe and the US and China, how do you see that progressing as the world gets smaller and these barriers and distances become smaller. I think in general, I have a really optimistic view of how the technology world is gonna change. Mainly because if you look at the history of technology, I mean, the recent one, the last revolution or the last few technological revolution were you know, created by few people. The web was invented at CERN in Switzerland and then all the applications were you know, built in Silicon Valley and you had Microsoft, Google, then Apple, all of them. So it was really few players in the game. But what's interesting right now is that you have pretty much all Asia that is working really hard in both AI and you know all that is related to blockchain, which are really good, two good technologies for the future. So I hope that new technological revolution would be for more people, not for a street, you know, for a small group of people that would get a lot of money. So I think there is great potential in that, but at the same time, I think people should think more about all the effects because. You know, we have fake news and we have really great technologies to generate even worse fake news. You can fake videos of people. Blockchain seems great, but again, you really need to make sure that you want to follow the principle of blockchain. So it shows transparency and the democracy behind it because it's really easy to fake it, give it the appearance, but then few people really control it. It, it might be really interesting to see who's going to play and who's going to you know, make their next revolution. But there's definitely a lot of players. Anything else on technology around the world that you're passionate about? Well, I was really happy actually today, just to, 
say something good about Europe. That they finally realize that they're completely losing the competition for AI, because I mean, the US are great, we know that, and Asia, especially China, they're really good. The interesting thing about Europe is that I always thought that Europeans were extremely bad when you're at school at building stuff, but they're extremely good at theoretical stuff in understanding things. And I never really understood why they did not have really big centers for AI research, which they have. I mean, they did DeepMind, it was acquired by Google. You have some of them, but like, you know, big, big investment by the government and the European Union just to, you know, for the research, because there are really smart people that just want to stay there, their research doing statistics. And so they're finally doing it and that's gonna be pretty cool. So. Hopefully something's gonna happen there as well. You just remind me of something, speaking of the European Union, what are your thoughts on Brexit and how that affects technology in Europe? Oh, <laughs> and that's really complicated. I mean, first of all, I don't really know like what's gonna happen. Are they really, so right now they're still, you know, trying to understand what's gonna happen. So I think no one really know from a political point of view, what are the first steps? I think the biggest lesson we got from Brexit is about how you can actually manipulate elections, important elections with internet, which is pretty much the same argument people bring with the election of Trump in the US. And we had a referendum in Italy as well. So now every time there is a big political decision, we see the effects of fake news and stuff like that. And, and that's pretty interesting from a technological point of view and an ethical point of view. You watch Black Mirror at all? Oh yeah. Yeah, what's sure. the Waldo episode, I think it's called? It's a politician, but it's basically an AI. That, that one's interesting. It's basically this really wacky, kind of offensive political figure that's a cartoon that comes on screen. I can't remember if he wins the election or not, not to give spoilers, but it goes very far. Um, and people are really into it. It's just very interesting how... I love Black Mirror in general, how it's very reflective of society. <laughs> it is. Those are like really good episodes all of them bring really good points that i think everyone should think of especially engineers and people working in technology definitely awesome well thank you marco thank Learned you a lot about europe us china around the world how they view technology and where we think it's going appreciate it thank you very much for the time talking about technology around the world been really great to see that people have listened to this podcast from all over from america to europe to india and i just want to say it's been really great to connect with all of you thank you for tuning in and listening to the stylish free podcast and i hope to see you again soon Till next time friends i'm your host brett Leibowitz.